Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's feature is Robot Jocks and Robot Wars. Oh, those jocks. They always gotta take it up a notch. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So, so the bad news is I did not get to watch RoboJocks. Uh, that means you got to watch news, Spider movies next week. I, I was getting ready to say, the good news is I've already seen RoboJocks like 25 times. So, I know a lot of it. So we should be good. It's just not fresh in my mind. Son of a bitch. Did you watch the first episode of Black Mirror? Uh, I've watched the entire series. That's really? Yeah. <laughs> the entire The entire run, because you said you hadn't watched any yeah, Black Mirror before. I, I will say that I watched it in a weird order. For some reason, Netflix has the seasons fucking backwards. Yep. And so I, I hit play from the beginning, and... So I watched like season three and then season two and then season one. And as I finished season one, season four came out. So I cycled back to the new episodes. Mm. All right. Well, if you can think back to episode one of season one, that's, and then, that's, that's, then ask if you would be able to spank it during that episode, <laughs> what would your answer be? I d- I can't think of a single episode of that show that you could really spank it to. <laughs> yeah, but you just not all of them would be actively prevent you, though. There is there is a difference between spanking it to the episode and just like say you could have the episode on and be looking at something else as well. But the fun the funny thing is, one episode first... one you couldn't even do that if your life depended on it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the first episode of season three was because that was actually the first episode I watched, and that's the episode that I thought was the first episode. Everybody kept telling me how awesome it was, and I remembered being disappointed, being like, "What the fuck is everybody talking about?" Like, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Oh, it's the 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 one where the dude's doing the the interactive virtual reality thing, and it malfunctions. No. And, and basically, the entire episode is him having this crazy oh. video game nightmare. Yeah, that's uh, that's Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, I don't think that's season three, episode one, though. Because season three, episode one, I think, is the one with Bryce Dallas Howard, and she's got her phone out all the time, and things oh, just yeah, keep yeah. getting worse and worse for her. Yeah, I'm looking at the order right now. That's why I'm arguing with him is because I called up the Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's not because I have it all memorized. The way I should have watched it, that should have been the first episode. I don't know what the hell happened, but like I said, Netflix had everything all screwed up, so I watched it in a weird order. But I did watch everything. So yeah, when I watched season four on Netflix, 
it ended and it started like it's like next episode and I'm like that doesn't make any sense I just watched the last episode and it was trying to start season three again for some reason yeah. I'm like, what, are you, what the hell are you doing like <laughs> there were three there were three or four episodes that were just as as far as not not as far as horror goes because I'll I'll fucking I'll piss on anyone who calls this a horror series because it's not. Is is most no. definitely a sci-fi series, but it is it's not. terrifying. But it's definitely not a horror series. Yeah, yeah. I don't. There's some existential horror. I'll I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but even that's few and far between. Most of them just deal with weird shit. Like, so I'm curious if you noticed what I noticed um, because you watched it in weird order. Like I noticed seasons one and two way darker and way more social commentary than seasons three and four. Did you pick up on that? Uh, I think that's partially true. I'm trying to remember, was the, uh, the, god damn it, what's, Waldo, the, the cartoon character thing? That was yeah. two, season I think. Two. Was two. that season two? Because I remember that and watching that and going, Jesus fucking Christ. And, and I thought I was watching season one whenever I watched that one. So maybe somehow I watched two first. Maybe I watched two, then three, then one, then four. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should stop trying to guess what order you watched them in. Yeah. I mean, the first two seasons are only three episodes apiece, yeah. not including the uh, Christmas special from season, part, season two. Yeah. So. It would be easy just to have them flow together. I thought I I do think the show's interesting in the fact that the the endings vary wildly because m- most of the endings, especially from season one and season two, are bleak nineteen uh, seventy sci fi endings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where where it ends with no, the computer got us all. <laughs> well, that, that's what I noticed. I found in season four specifically, there's like multiple episodes where it's like at the end of the day the technology really saves the day and or at least works the way it's meant to and accomplishes the goal that was set out for it so i don't want to say anything spoilery but it was... yeah because I'm, I'm only halfway done with season four so yeah i i will say in season four everybody's favorite is that uh the star trek episode mm-hmm. and i my favorite episode is actually the last episode of the season oh yeah because it has like three or four stories in it. That's not a spoiler. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like an anthology, but it's also if if you've paid attention to the series, like it, yeah, yeah. there are callbacks and side calls to things where they insinuate that maybe all of these different things are happening either in the same world or in a similar world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I don't. I actually don't like that. There's uh, some hints at that in season three as well that they, yeah, a lot of this stuff is taking place in the same universe. Um, I think there's like I think I'm trying to remember in season three I think there were like news reports in the background about one of the other episodes kind of thing. Uh, I don't like that idea. I think they're going to end up restricting themselves too much if they do that. Oh really? Well, I I think I don't I wouldn't like it if they were doing it all the time, but specifically in the way it plays out in that last episode, and if you pay attention to the episodes that it's calling back to, it's almost an interesting uh, like evolution of a single technology where they're showing you at all the different stages, the way that technology would affect the world, which I think that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I, I can see 
some elements of that. And you're right, it bugged me less in that episode than it did in the season three episodes. So, just like Brian, just so you know, like when you get to that episode, this is non-spoilery, but it takes place par- like partially in a museum, and there's some yeah, of the artifacts the in the museum are from other episodes of the show, oh, okay. season and other seasons. So, so yeah, I saw the title of the episode is Black Museum. Oh, okay. So I'm curious, Noah, because then you watch season three first. I think so. Did you did you enjoy the San Junipero episode? Which this oh, one, we, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, the old retired couple. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it was interesting, but mm-hmm. once once again, this this show not not necessarily you guys, but a lot of other people tried to sell it to me as a horror series, and like that episode, I was watching the whole thing like, when the fuck is the horrific thing gonna happen? Like, no. Like what? What on what earth does this doesn't even cause existential fear? This like it's it's nothing. It's just a weird love story. Yeah, yeah I'm just I'm curious how people view that if they've not watched the show before, because like if you because I like I watched it from the beginning, so I have like two and a half seasons of just like. Man, every episode is dark and depressing. And then you finally get to the San Junipero episode, and you're like, "Oh, that's a nice little sweet little, you know, nice little ending." It doesn't end absolutely fucking horribly. I kept course, waiting for one of those two to just die somehow. Yeah. And I was just like, "What? Everyone's and gonna course, everyone's gonna be happy at the end? How can this be?" And of course, that one is the one that won like some Emmys or something. So, well, yeah, it's, of course. It's also the most mainstream one for yeah, totally. And I mean, it plays up even like when you're talking about awards, you still have to talk about the fact that like it's got like a gay storyline to it. That'll help you with awards and stuff. <laughs> yeah, not, not that it hurts or hinders the particular episode, in my opinion, but for awards season, that's the kind of stuff you got to do there. You got to have some slaves just, and some gay people. And I stuff just like find that it's, awards. it's like a nice little oasis in the middle of like if you've been watching from the beginning, you're like. Oh, okay, the world's not complete shit, and then you go to the next episode. You're like, oh fuck, right? <laughs> the Waldo, like I said, the Waldo episode was the one that like got me, and I was like, oh my god, because I thought I was watching the first series, so I thought it was a few years ago. I was like, they predicted Trump. Well, they, they did. Like, the episode's from 2013, so is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so like, totally did. I was like, what in the fuck, like? It's it's weird when a sci-fi story is that on the fucking nose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's upsetting that it's like it's like oh so there were people who knew all this shit was coming and still nobody could stop it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just interesting cuz you're like through the whole episode you almost get suckered into it too cuz there's the the scene where he blows up on the politicians on the show and you're like, oh shit, he's making valid points. So maybe what's gonna happen in this episode is that this weird thing is gonna come become like this crusader character of some kind and you know, start the revolution. And and it's like, nope, nope, it's just another past under fascism. <laughs> never get your hopes up too high during a Black Mirror episode. Yeah. You never know what could happen. Unless it's San Pero. 
Uh, all right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, Noah, and you're finally on the Black Mirror bandwagon with the rest of us. You're only halfway through the newest season there, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I was going to mention that uh, usually per our um, sort of ritual with the last horror cast, we usually end up doing a Black Mirror episode, so we may have to pencil that in here soon. That makes sense. <clears throat> it's not really uh, drive-in related, but fuck it, it's our show. We'll do what we want. Yeah. Way to put your foot down. Nobody was arguing with you at all. Yeah, I know. I know. Even people at home be like, this does not meet the drive-in requirements. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, how can it be at the drive-in? It doesn't make sense. You're like, Shut up, you doofuses. We did a whole episode about Fred Savage. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Don't make us do a Kirk Cameron episode. We'll do it. <laughs> we we will loop back upon the Corys as many times as it takes to get this point across. <laughs> do you really want us to talk about Blown Away again? I know Doug doesn't. I'd rewatch that again. Oh, there's certain, <laughs> certain scenes from it I'd rewatch. Ooh. Um by the way, are we going to just discuss now or are we going to say that for later that there's a movie about the Corys coming out? Oh, yeah, there is. There's a Lifetime original that have apparently done so well with like the behind, behind the scenes of Saved by the Bell and stuff that apparently are fucking horrible. So Okay, but because you just said that, I now know what show I'm adding to the list because we're doing that <laughs> Corys movie. <laughs> I don't care. We're watching it and we're talking about it. So... Oh. Oh, the casting. The casting looks so bad. <laughs> Maybe they were cast for their talent and not their appearances. You don't know. But you're going to know after we watch it. After we find think... it, we get our hands on a copy that's saved by the bell one that Brian's telling me about. <laughs> oh, no. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I never pick movies with the intention of hurting you guys. <laughs> Well, you might not be trying, but you still manage to do something. <laughs> All right, I'm adding it to the list. Lifetime movies. Two Corys slash Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Remember, everybody, Doug did this. It's going to be terrible, but I got to know, and I'm not going through that by myself so <laughs> why why would we do why would we do this robot holocaust asshole but it's got a hallway <laughs> full of toothy penises the Corey's movie might too it depends on how real they decide to get <laughs> and, and that's when Corey Feldman found himself in a hallway of toothy penises I hope they show, don't tell. I mean, come on. This is filmmaking. Ugh. Well, I can't find the Lifetime one on YouTube, but the Saved by the Bell wedding in Las Vegas, uh, sure enough, is on YouTube. Jesus. No. Good times. Is that who got married in in Vegas? Kelly and Zach. Kelly and Zach got married in Vegas? I do not recall that. It was after uh, the college years got canceled. Oh, really? So they did a movie where Kelly and Zach got married. It's very possible that I had stopped watching Saved by the Bell by then. 
probably I probably should have, but I was like, oh, but they're going to get married in Vegas. It's going to be great. Safe, safe by the bell is my hell. <laughs> like that's when I die and I wake up and I'm being tortured forever. I'm just some extra in Saved by the Bell. <laughs> You're like Screech's best friend that doesn't have any lines, just nods a lot. Ugh. So you have to hang out with douchey Dustin Diamond the whole time? Oh man, Slater and Zach are so cool. What <laughs> life lesson are they going to learn this week? <laughs> <laughs> just be glad it's like Teenage Dustin Diamond and not stabby Christmas Day Dustin Diamond from his adult life. <laughs> uh, there are three stages of Dustin Diamond. There is Saved by the Bell, there's when he was on like that celebrity wrestling show, and then there's stabbing guys in a bar on Christmas Day. So your uh, best bet is to meet up with Dustin Diamond in his teenage years. I would I would fold in the two seasons of Celebrity Fit Club that he was also on. Alright, I'm unaware. Uh, he was a huge dick on that show, which is why I was not surprised when he got arrested for stabbing someone. Uh, all right, we're talking about Dustin Diamond. You know what we should be talking about? Giant robots. Yeah. Same thing, really. <laughs> all right, we'll move on. He had a robot in his bedroom. I was kind of jealous of that. Yeah, it was like a ripoff of the Rocky Four robot, wasn't it? Totally. It's been a long time since I actually saw that show. Uh, um, all right, well, Doug. Do you want to start off by telling us all about Robot Jacks? Since oh, sure. Noah did not watch it, fucking Noah. I've seen it twenty times. Everyone's seen it twenty times. That's not the point. You're supposed to watch it for the show. Anyways, <laughs> uh, futuristic world. Uh, there's been a holocaust of some sort, probably nuclear. I don't know if they actually say that or if I'm just adding that myself, but it doesn't matter. So basically two world powers left, one of them that is definitely not the U.S. and one of them that is definitely not Russia because they don't want to say that. Um, And they've decided that from now on they will settle all of their disagreements by having giant robots fight each other instead of going to war. As you do. Uh, But you're not going to have remote control giant robots because that's not a sport. you got to have guys inside them actually controlling them. So, uh, movie starts off. You've got the two the two big uh, biggest names in robot fighting of the day <laughs> are set to square off over Alaska. Achilles uh, and Alexander. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For some reason, the American guys get cool names and the Russian guys don't. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is. But uh, yeah, due to Alexander cheating. And Achilles being the superhero who decides to try and save the crowd, he accidentally actually kills a whole bunch of the crowd. Um, the match is declared a draw, so they're going to have to have a rematch. Achilles doesn't want to fight in it because technically he's met his contractual obligation and fought in his ten fights. Um, but when he finds out that they're going to put a pretty girl in the robot, he's like, I can't let a pretty girl get hurt, so then he comes back to take the fight. Um, so... <laughs> She ends up in the robot. She loses, but then Alexander gets disqualified for killing all the refs. <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> she, she gets credit for the victory, at which point uh, Achilles jumps in the robot and they have their big final fight that um, goes to space for no reason way before Batman and Superman ever did it. <laughs> and 
<laughs> Ends with them deciding that there's no point in killing each other, and they fist bump as the credits roll. I I feel like you really skipped out on chainsaw robo dicks. <laughs> that is true. That we could spend a long time talking about that final fight between Alexander and Achilles, but it's the most important part of the movie. Yeah, and and the longest scene by far. Yeah. It has a lot of stuff in it that's completely unnecessary, such as the the trip to outer space that we had we've never been told that these robots can go to outer space before. They fly up to outer space, chase each other around for a few minutes, and then land right back where they started. <laughs> like right back where they started, which is pretty hilarious. Rocket powered super fist. Yeah. That's that's the uh, the weapon of choice for Alexander is he can shoot his fist from his robot at the uh, opponent, which he's not allowed to do at a certain point in the fight. But does anyway, thus uh, yeah. causing the conflict of having to declare to draw. Yeah, and of course it's like, well, what it's you know, Chekhov's flying fist because of course it comes back later in the movie <laughs> when you show it in the first act. It has to be used in the final act. So there you go. Uh, we also are in some kind of bizarre future where uh, hot dogs added to foodstuffs is considered to be like a, a big spendy holiday type treat. Well, it's a really weird future they're in because it's like clearly this is supposed to be America, rah, rah. But it's also a, like a communist country that America's become where like there's references to Achilles family. Like his brother is like having extra kids. Cause if you get extra kids, the government gives you a bigger apartment and weird shit like that. And I'm like, that doesn't seem to fit with your, and like, even like when Achilles like decides he's not going to fight anymore because he's met his 10 fight quota, he like immediately becomes homeless. Like later that day, they're just like, he, they're like, you're not going to fight for in your giant robot anymore. Fine. You're homeless. And he has to go sleep on his brother's couch with his brother's annoying ass kids waking him up. I'm like, that's weird. It seems like if you go to war for your country ten times and survive, and you're only the second guy to ever do that, that you would probably get some sort of a pension plan, I would think. (laughs) I don't know. Well, do they strip all that from him? Because they feel like he has not met his quota. Because the last match is declared a draw, and he refuses to fight again. So he gets nothing? I guess. It's weird. He loses his like weird apartment with the paper walls that you can fight through. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Future walls. <laughs> this movie is absolutely ridiculous, and it's full of weird contradictions, like the ones we've already mentioned, or the fact that like somehow the whatever governing body is in charge of this mm-hmm. can control these two nations, prevent them from going to war, and convince them to only fight on the battlefield and obey all the ref's decisions and everything. Yet Alexander is just allowed to randomly murder people like after the fights are over and there's no consequences to him. <laughs> like, that's a weird contradiction when you think about it for a second. But well, on the other hand, he's celebrities, like celebrities murder people all the time and get away with it. <laughs> but not usually on television. That's true. Because he literally, in that first fight, he's like, he's been declared the winner, he's done, and then he's just like, stomps on a human being with a giant robot and squishes him to death for no reason. And everyone's just like, yeah, all right. He's just at the bar later that night. He doesn't even have to go to a different bar than the guy, the teammates of the guy he squished. <laughs> they still <laughs> let him in. 
<laughs> like, oh, that Alexander squished another one. When will he learn? Yeah. And I will say, even with the inclusion of Pacific Rim, Robot Jocks is the greatest giant robot fighting movie ever made. Mm, I don't know if I'd go ever. that far. It's ever. I will say this. I have not watched it since I was 10 years old. So I was really worried. I'm like, of course it was great when I was 10. It's got giant robots fighting each other, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little nervous. And uh, actually ended up thinking it held up like really well. And I actually really enjoyed it. Still don't know if I would go as far to say it's it's as good. It's better than Robot or Pacific Rim. Oh, it is because they the the only reason why Pacific Rim exists is because this movie exists. It it owes its entire existence to being inspired by this movie. That seems pretty reasonable to me when you say that. I'm not offended by that statement. As far as which one's better, I think it's they're very different films because. What Stuart Gordon did brilliantly with this film was realize that he was making a film that was a ridiculous concept, that they had nowhere near the budget to pull off the things they want to pull off, let alone even the technology for it. So what he did is he embraced that, and he made this ridiculous sort of kid-friendly international war movie with giant robots in it. And through the use of obvious miniatures and the addition of ridiculous scenes like Achilles getting locked in his apartment and having to ram his flying car through the wall to get himself out, like all that kind of stuff that's, it's clearly ridiculous, but because it fits the tone of the film so well, it makes this really enjoyable to watch. I don't think any of those scenes would have worked in Pacific Rim because it had a much more serious tone. So I think it's unfair to kind of compare the two. Well, I, I think it's. I think the the parallels are interesting between the two. Not not just for mild stuff like the aesthetics. Clearly, the uh, the piloting of the robots in Pacific Rim, the the idea of drifting and that you need two was added. But the setups, the exact same. Like those, <laughs> the insides of the cockpits of those robots. Could, oh sure, yeah, could be copy and pasted. Uh, but. Just between even even things like Stuart Gordon and uh, Guillermo del Toro, they're both kind of like psychopathic geniuses that just do whatever the fuck they want, and somehow it works out. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually read that uh, <clears throat> Stuart Gordon and the uh, screenwriter actually did not get along very well during the making of the movie, and because uh, they both had a different intention with the tone. And afterwards, Stuart Gordon, he says, I figured it out, is that, talking to the screenwriter, he's like, you wanted to make an adult robot movie that was kid-friendly, and I wanted to make a child's robot movie that was adult-friendly. And we were just like, on that just weird opposite sort of uh, page yeah. on the whole thing. But Stuart Gordon's 100% right. That's sort oh, of totally, what getting totally. at. Like, trying to make this a well, we're going to talk later about another movie. And when you try to make this into some sort of like political intrigue movie where we care about who the spy is and this other stuff, it's that's not going to work when you're using these like ridiculous miniatures and you're, you know, working mm. with these eighties, low budget actors and all this other stuff. And it's, and you know, none of that is necessarily bad. It's just, you have to know what you're doing and do what you're capable of doing. Not, mm 
if you, if you shot for the stars and this tried to make it a serious movie where, cause I mean, I kind of skipped over my plot thing. There's a whole thing where there's a spy in the, uh, <laughs> a line in, in the one side that's working for the, not the Russians, the, whatever they call them, the Confederation, <laughs> you know? Uh, so like, you know, there's, there's a whole plot line there and yeah, you could have tried to play that up as really being intrigue and have the audience guessing at who the spy is. It's the guy in the big but, hat. He's like, spy. No, you're a spy. No, you're a spy. Yeah. He's the only one that's like blatantly racist. It's like, of course he's the bad guy. Yeah, I was going to say, is anybody really guessing who the spy is? Like, <laughs> like, like Everybody knows, but if you tried to make this a serious movie, that would be a huge flaw because this is like an adult-friendly kids movie. I think that it's fine. As a kid, you, you're not going to pick up on that. And as an adult, you're going to go, hey, it's that guy. But everyone knew it was that guy. And like five minutes after it's revealed, he just kills himself and that plot line's over. And it's like, that's great. <laughs> I mean, I wish this was R-rated so when he did that like fat guy leap off the top of that building that he would have been splattered everywhere. That would have been cool. But whatever. <laughs> it also must be said that this movie contains... What is possibly the greatest movie ending of all time? <laughs> just the fist bump. Oh my god! The, not Friday. just the, not just the fist bump, but the the bad guys laying there hurt, and the good guys looking at him, and the bad guys like, "But what do we do now?" And he's like, "We can live. We both can live." Thumbs up, fist bump, end of movie. <laughs> the, the weird thing about that is. And this is where, like, again, if this were an adult movie, this would be a huge flaw because this is a kid's movie. I'm fine with it. But there's nothing in the rules of combat that indicate that you have to kill the other guy. It's not a fight to the death. (laughs) It's a fight until the referees declare a victor, which generally means you have to disable the other guy's robot. That doesn't mean you have to kill him. And that's in the we see that multiple times in this movie where giant robots fight, a robot's disabled, and one of the people lives. And it, they even make a big deal about the fact that Alexander has killed like the rest of this team of potential, uh, the rest of this team of potential like fighters. And it's like, okay, it's a big deal the, the when robot, people die. Robot jocks, Doug. Robot jocks. My, I really, <laughs> I really shouldn't have stumbled over that word, should I have? <laughs> but I mean, like you know, like it, it's really that ending is really ridiculous. And it's fun to watch. Like it is. Again, Stuart Gordon was one hundred percent right to make this into a kids' movie, so that you can get away with shit like that. I just think every movie should end with the weird bad guy, good guy, thumbs up, fist bump, roll credits. Every every Godzilla movie, that's how it should end. The monsters fight. You think you think the movie's over? Godzilla and the monster, thumbs up, fist bump, roll credits. <laughs> What if it's like just one where Godzilla is just taking on humans? Would you have like a little tiny fist bump? Yeah, giant Godzilla yeah. fist. Right. That makes it even better. I, I, I'm not arguing. I'm just asking some follow up questions. Get your uh, Matthew Broderick Godzilla fist bump. That'd be great. That movie didn't happen. <laughs> it's not I real. That was one exception. It's not real. <laughs> no, that that would definitely have improved that thing that didn't happen, but it didn't happen, so we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, poor Ferris I, I'm just saying think think of a single amazing movie that would not be better by that ending Predator come on you <laughs> think the, you think Predator would have been better if Predator, like 
Oh yeah, come on, do it, do it now, do it now. Thumbs up, fist bump, roll credits. <laughs> well, I don't think I, I don't think Empire would have been improved because it just would have been stumped to hand. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really socially awkward. <laughs> it would have just looked like Vader was mocking his own kid. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, how did we get on this tangent already? This uh, is ridiculous. Of Noah. Yeah. Um, Greatest ending. So uh, I'm assuming both of you have seen this. I know Noah has seen it before. Soon you have seen this before, Doug. Oh yeah, I, I watched this a lot when I was a kid, and then I watched it okay. again a couple of years ago when we were supposed to do a horror, etc., based on the films of Stuart Gordon that never actually happened. But. Uh, I watched it and I didn't regret it then and I don't regret it now. I think it holds up really well. I do think you have to go into it knowing what you're getting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if people are expecting Pacific Rim, that's not what this is. This is a this, this is an 80s children's movie, which means, like, you know, kids' movies from that era are generally a lot more adult-friendly than today's kids' movies. But oh, yeah, this had, a, this had a butt shot in this, in this movie. You know, when I'm, like, 10-year-old me... Really, that was like a big deal at the time. And now, like when I watched it, totally, like, totally showed her butt. Yeah, it was I, like I, I was going to say. I will say though, if if you are a big fan of Pacific Rim, if you've never seen this, you might you have a good time just going, "Holy shit!" They cribbed a lot of shit off this movie. <laughs> oh, especially like the, the visuals of the robot. Like Pacific Rim is just this with a budget at that point. If that's what you're talking about, and there's yeah. There's a lot of elements to it. It's well, a lot of the the suits. The suits are just like streamlined version of the suits in this movie. And... Yeah. yeah, that's true. Now you could turn around and argue that this movie like really borrows from stuff that came before it. I mean, setting up the yeah. entire setting up the entire universe with what's essentially a spoken open crawl from the Star Wars movie. It's really just walking you into the universe that they they want you to live in. And stuff like that. That it's. Movies borrow from each other all the time. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like, I just think it's cool whenever you see something that is so obviously directly inspired that a lot of people don't even know exists. I bet there is a lot of people in this world that have no fucking idea that the movie Robot Jocks exists. Oh, and a lot of people would be very dismissive of it. And to be honest, like I, when I rewatched it for the first time a couple of years ago, having not seen it. In, decades i was ready to be dismissive of it i was prepared for it to be like a nostalgic good time but that's it and when you watch it it's like no this isn't nostalgia this is like a genuinely well-made movie Mm -hmm. it's just you have to know what you're getting it is a kid's movie um but they do a good job of establishing the universe even though much of it is just through an opening speech but so what i mean they you know the world you're in you know what's going on you know who the characters are they're reasonably well developed i mean they're pretty basic there's a good guy there's a bad guy there's the old hero who's still there to coach right all that although they're all archetypal characters they're not really deep but you know who everybody is you know what everybody's doing it's it's a well-made film i will say that i can give it this compliment um so i got home today and i was like oh i gotta watch a movie for the show tonight and Amanda's like, okay, well, what are you watching? And I'm like, uh, a movie called Robot Ajax. When you say it aloud, it does sound ridiculous. She's just kind of like, okay. 
And she was going to watch it, though, so she sat there. Uh, normally, she would just look on her phone. So the movie starts. Charles Band's name pops up. <laughs> and she's like, Charles Band. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know, just, just. I'm like, more importantly, it's got a really good director. And so she's like, okay. And then I will say she fell asleep for like 15 minutes. But then our delivery showed up, so she was pretty much forced to watch it while she was eating. Uh, when the movie was over, she did say to me, I will say this, it's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, that's the best I, I know I can get from you on this movie, probably. So that's fair enough. But I mean, that is a huge compliment coming oh, totally. from somebody who's not interested in this type of movie. And I, and I do think, like, you can show this movie to probably, like, a 12-year-old boy, and they're probably still going to think the robots are cool and stuff. Yeah. They might, oh, chuckle, yeah. they might chuckle a bit at the effects and stuff, but that's just what happens when you watch an older movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, she likes Pacific Rim and stuff, but, you know, I, she's a big Del Toro fan and all the, you know, fan of all the people that are usually some of his regulars and stuff, so... That wasn't a hard sell for her. This was a little bit harder of a sell, and she actually did at least come away somewhat enjoying it, not having a horrible time watching it, which she cannot say for most Charles Band movies I've made her watch. Yeah. Uh, I would also tell people for as much as we're dogging on the special effects, for the most part, the robot stuff's all pretty yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. It's mainly just some of the visuals are kind of dated, and that's about it. All the robot stuff, I think, it still works really well. Yeah, I, I mean, like I say, the, the use of miniatures sometimes is pretty obvious, and mm-hmm. that's just the era it was made in. That was the closest thing to CGI they had was build a really small version of the thing you want and put a normal-sized thing beside it to make it look tiny or make the other thing look huge. Um, but it's it, it's not bad. It's just dated. Yeah. Totally. Um, I was reading up on some uh, trivia Apparently, this is the movie that caused uh, Empire to go bankrupt because this was their most expensive movie at the time. Oh, really? And they couldn't even pay to finish the movie. Someone else had to buy it and then finish it for them. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's not surprising at all. For like a, a yeah, an Empire Charles Band production, this is like fucking Star Wars level money thrown at it. I think it's... Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, no, you can go ahead and do your thing. I was just going to say that the thing about this, they build, like, a world for this thing. Mm, so it's not just, it. like, just giant robots fighting in 1980s America. It's when they go back to their apartments, they look very different from what they, you would expect an apartment to do. They're not great. They're not perfectly well done. But there's there there is a universe they've built there. They have flying cars They have that are controlled by remote controls when you so you don't have to, like, go get your car, you can bring it to you. They have, like, you know, various forms of technology that, you know, somebody has to build those sets and all that. It's mm. It can't yeah. have been a cheap movie. I didn't look at the budget, but... Yeah. I was going to say, there there is something weird about the... the, uh, the, the distribution rights for it. Because for the fact that it's a Charles Band production, uh, Charles Band doesn't seem to have much control of it. Yeah. 
Like well, at some at some point it shifted to somewhere else, and now it's kind of a hard movie to get your hands on. A little easier now that they Scream Factory did a Blu-ray release of it. Yeah. But before that, you were going to spend sixty to eighty dollars on the DVD. Yeah, even trying to like uh, watch it on VOD uh, is like near impossible. Yeah, like, no, I cannot find it. I cannot find it anywhere other than the Blu-ray I had. Uh, looks like estimated budget was ten million dollars. Yeah, which is quite a bit for nineteen eighties low budget filmmaking. And then, and then only gross like one and a half million. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> that's kind of sad. People just didn't know what they had at the time. You would think by this point it would have grossed a lot more if you could actually get a hold of it. Yeah. Well, and like there must be an audience for this film because like when I was a kid, everybody knew what Robot Jocks was. Everybody oh, I totally. talked to, both of the kids totally. at school that were willing to talk to my nerdy ass <laughs> knew what Robot <laughs> Jocks was. So you know what I mean. But I remember. I don't know if I owned a VHS. That's probably not. I probably taped it off TV or something. But like I remember showing it to all my friends, and everybody thought it was cool. And I mean, this is the era of Voltron and all those other giant robots things that were going on. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is weird that it's so hard to get a hold of. And I think it was one of those that Scream Factory had problems sort of getting it originally. They had to, like, jump through a bunch of hoops and whatever. It's one, I think it's one of those titles that it's like, you guys should release Robot Jocks. And they're like, we would love to, but it's fucking near impossible. Yeah, one of those things where finally, five different people own parts of the distribution. Yeah, and then finally, yes, everybody signs off on something, and it's like, oh my god, it's a miracle it happened. Yeah. It's so weird to me that, because why wouldn't everybody just, like, who owns this movie and doesn't want it released? Well, they want to pay us so they can release the movie? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like this one, the funny thing is because of all that weirdness, you can get the Blu-ray for $14, or the DVD for 60 to $80. Well, there's a nostalgia factor to that DVD. VHS is probably 250 or something. Most likely. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is it, do either one of you have anything else to say about Robot Jacks other than uh, it's fucking awesome? There are two follow-ups to it. Uh, Crash and Burn, which is the unofficial RoboJocks 2 Although slightly official in the fact that <laughs> Charles Band liked to put RoboJocks 2 on the cover. <laughs> like a good businessman. And the third one is called like Apocalypta or something. It's got some weird, stupid name. I know I've seen it before, but I remember that it is Netagud. That surprises me, coming from such quality productions from the Full Moon Library. Exactly. That is astounding, especially like 90s direct-to-video sequels from Full Moon. That's where you expect quality to be found. <laughs> I mean, it, it really... Guys, I mean, You guys think this sarcastically, but I'm actually nodding along like, yeah, that's, that's all 100% accurate. Here's the thing. This movie relies heavily on Stuart Gordon to make it good. This movie would not be good if somebody else made it. And because, like, like you say, like you can anybody can have a decent looking robot in their movie. It's about finding the right tone that is serious enough that we care who wins the fight, but 
kiddish enough that we accept the fact that it's giant robots fighting over Alaska is the main plot of this movie. Um, that's and that's trying to find that balance. It it takes a, a really good director, and luckily they had one. We should also mention bonus points, even though he's he's obviously not the main character, but Jeffrey Combs is in this movie. Of course, bonus, bonus points. Well, we said it was produced by Charles Band, so you didn't really need to say that Jeffrey Combs. Charles, Charles, Charles Band and Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon was a big guy. Yeah, it's Combs Band. Uh, that yeah, is the trifecta. I would say a definite recommend from all three of us. Oh yeah, um, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, again, ten-year-old me loved this movie when I saw it. 30 almost 39 year old me was like i don't know i don't know <laughs> this could go really bad i could be ruining yeah. my childhood right now exactly i could be ruining some fond memories but uh which has happened before on some movies but turned out it's okay it's all right it's all, it's all it's all been kept like it's still still a decent enough movie where i'm happy with it it is funny watching it as an adult with like a bit more of a critical eye i do notice that like there are funny little bits of foreshadowing in it like the fact that he shoots the fist in the first fight and then it's used against him in the last fight or the fact that like for some reason the like the whatever they I forget what they call them but like the grown the new next generation of jocks that are like grown in a lab instead of just training normal human beings to be robot jocks one of their main tests at their training is they have to like climb up this tower and get escaped through a hole in the ceiling and you're like why would they ever need that and then the first time one of them is inside the robot people take away her elevator and she has to climb out the robot out of the <laughs> shaft and you're like oh they're training her for literally this they're training her to steal that robot it's like that's kind of funny and i'm sure that Stuart gordon knows that that was foreshadowing and i'm sure no kid who watches the movie ever picks up on that they just think it's two neat looking scenes but it's, it's fun to see those things what's funny is i never really put that together until just now <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, it does make sense it is weird how much time like they spend on like hand-to-hand combat and trying to like climb up this giant tower thing where some of the bars heat up so that they fall and everything and you're like but aren't they training to basically fly a ship like i understand maybe they need to be in good shape or whatever but it's not actual hand-to-hand combat that they're going to be involved in oh contraire well, we do learn later, too, that apparently sometimes both guys have to get out of their broken-down robots and just fist fight it out until they become friends. <laughs> Which just really happens in everybody's job, yeah. not just these guys. Yeah. So. That's why I don't have any friends at work. I really wish, I really hope there's a deleted scene where there's, like, uh, robots where you just train doing your thumbs-up fist bump with the robot. Like, it's your timing <laughs> down just right. It is... It is a little offensive that nobody did the crash and burn fist bump with the robots. Like if they'd cut away to like a different fight where the guys were better sports than they were in the, the main fights of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like some sort of sparring match with the robots. That would have been good. I did kind of like the to the they just look at each other and they go crash and burn, and that's like <laughs> that's their like cool sign off. And I'm like that's kind of ridiculous. It's their equivalent of break a leg. It is. Because there's a big deal about how you're not allowed to wish each other luck, and that's supposed to be a running joke, but it's not funny even once at any point in time during the movie. <laughs> uh, so what do you say, Noah? Recommend for everybody? Uh, it, it is the Jaws of giant robot movies. 
Fair enough. <laughs> I, I do think it's a very well-made film. The plot makes just enough sense for the type of film it is. The effects are good for the era. I, I, I can't imagine someone watching this and not enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. yeah just this, go in and enjoy yourself. This is an amazing movie with a really thick icing layer of cheese on top of it. So yeah. that's, that's where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Noah, do you want to take us to our next movie, Robot Wars? Robot Wars, billed as like a cousin movie to Robot Jocks, also produced by Charles Pan. Uh, this story follows the pilot of a uh, mega robot, uh, which is kind of like a giant scorpion robot that just wanders around the desert taking tourists around for Photoshop <laughs> Photo opportunities and killing bad guys, I guess. It's, it's weird that it does have a dual job. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what this is about. And uh, <laughs> so, so the guy who owns the giant robot is trying to build smaller giant robots to sell to the uh, the evil country that is the Eastern Hemisphere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or are they evil? Spoiler alert. Or are they? Ooh. Because there's also centrists, those filthy fucking centrists. <laughs> yeah. That's why you need a wall on that southern border. Keep those guys out. So basically at the beginning of the movie, there's heavy indication that the Eastern people are working with the evil centrists in some kind of diabolical plot. A rich guy who wants to make money goes, absolutely not. And they're like, really? Because we have, like, physical proof right here in my hand. I'm holding it up. I'm showing it to you right now. I'm showing you the proof. This is the proof. And they're like, no, we need this money. You're a liar. Fuck off. And so he quits. And then lady journalist who follows the typical 80s uh story arc of I hate you I hate you I'm okay with you he gets kidnapped and all of a sudden he's like I love you that's not you're mis you're misleading she the journalist is the friend of the woman who goes through that no sorry. who goes through it is an archaeologist who carries around weird like uh, yes liquid yeah. samples that she draws <laughs> for some reason that yeah, it's not explained she's like this stuff belongs in a museum uh so he gets fired. She gets lost in a city while looking for some mysterious thing, which will be revealed later. Uh, the evil Asian people <laughs> steal the giant robot. Played by one of the Asian people from the last movie. We were just watching yeah, yeah, played by yeah. Them. Uh, Of course, they're evil. They're Asians, and they're in an 80s movie, so. There you go. Evil. Evil. Well, I guess it was 93, so still uh, still evil. It's perfectly acceptable to call this an 80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they take over. Pilot is reactivated to go save the day. Basically, they find out that buried underneath this ancient, crumbling, abandoned, modern-day city is Mega Robot 1, the original robot, <laughs> who then comes out, and we finally get a sweet robot fight at the end although it doesn't last very long. And uh, 
Asian guy dies, everyone's happy. <laughs> end, end of movie. Yeah. Yeah, the uh the actual journalist was played by Lisa Renna, who uh last time I saw her, because she went on to do some like soap operas or something, and now I think she ended up she's like one of those she's on one of those housewives of intercity here really? shows. Yeah. Uh, last thing I saw her on was the last season of Celebrity Apprentice that Trump hosted. Yeah. So for her. So know. she got to face off against the evil guy from this again. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no indication if he grabbed her by the pussy or not. So, well, judging by some of the dialogue in this movie, ninety percent <laughs> chance pussy grab. <laughs> I think. Just so that people understand if they haven't seen this movie. There's literally a scene where the like the guy is hitting on the girl. And by hitting on, I mean like just staring her down. She punches him in the face so hard that he's bleeding from the mouth. And then they don't interact for like an hour. And then everyone's like, yeah, you guys really like each other though. And they're both like, yeah. And it's like, have you even stopped bleeding from the last time she punched you yet? <laughs> you guys are not a romantic couple. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, and I really like Sleaze, and when it comes to, like, that woman and the male characters in this movie, it's too sleazy. They go way overboard on the Sleaze. <laughs> like, he gets punched and walked out, and the first thing that guy says is he's like, oh, are you all right? Man, she had some serious sweater puppies going on underneath that jacket. <laughs> He's like spitting up blood as he says it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he like his character like wants to be Han Solo on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm a roguish, scruffy, you know, fun little uh pilot. And then he it's like I'm be... also kind of rapey, so Yeah, he wants to be Han Solo, but he comes across as the gum chewing guy from chopping mall and it's like (laughs) that's totally who he is that's exactly who it is and he's got he's even got the similar haircut but less melody because it's a little later on but it's like what the fuck is going on in this movie first of all he's like they're like talk about him like he's the best pilot but all this robot does is deliver tourists to like an old town from 93 when the movie was made, so that's just their way of saying we're not going to decorate the set where our where our climax takes place. Also, so, important uh, note: they make it very clear this is the only fucking robot. Yep, un robot, which means he is un pilot for un robot. Yeah, yeah, and talk about letdowns in movies. Last time we met you guys were complaining about how a trailer let you down. This movie is called Robot Wars and like two minutes in they tell you that that's the only robot left. I'm like, so it's not going to fight another robot anytime soon then? Why the fuck did I turn this on? I didn't turn into a movie called Robot Wars so there could be one robot. That doesn't make any fucking sense and it upsets me. Also the fact this movie sucks that upsets me too. Ooh, harsh. Well, it, so it breaks down into the good and the bad. The good, the stuff that actually involves giant robots fighting each other. I dig it. Sure, yeah, that lasts four or five minutes of the movie. Sure. Yeah, and and I even like just the bits that's the giant scorpion robot walking around. That's pretty cool too. It, 
actually, I will say the it looked really cool. It was a, it was a cool effect and it looked neat. It's kind of stop motiony, I think, but it was fun to watch that giant robot walk around. I just we don't need seventy five minutes of a robot walking around followed by four minutes of a robot fighting another robot. Uh, That's agreed. not what a movie is. Very much agreed. Uh, other good part: Asian bad guy. Asian bad guy is cool. Bad guy. I especially like once he takes over the robot, basically how he's just trolling the rich guy. Once he takes over the robot and he is like, he becomes like full on supervillain at that point. And I'm like, yeah, now I'm down with him. Prior to that, he's just this annoying guy walking around. And I'm just like, he's just used. I'm like, why is this guy in the movie? I mean, he's obviously the bad guy, but why aren't they just telling us he's the bad guy now? (laughs) Rather than making me watch him like, schmooze with this rich guy who may or may not be in the military. I don't know because I watched this whole movie and I still don't know if that robot is a military robot or like a commercial robot um, or why the other robot was buried under a school. Yeah. And but, and then the, the bad part, everything else, all, all the rest of the things are the bad part. Yeah. It's... This movie was really frustrating because they got it exactly wrong. What Robot Jocks got right was make a kids movie with like some adult themes mixed in. This one tried to be like a serious, like almost like a political thriller. But they did such a shitty job of establishing the world they were in that I have no idea what's going on. They had such weird direct-to-video caricatures that they think are characters that I'm like, I don't care if any of these people live or die. None of them make any sense. Nothing in this movie makes sense to the point where even when they tried to make jokes, they screwed it up because they have when they go to like the ni- the town from 1993, whatever it's called, and like the, the tourists are walking around and it's kind of the joke is supposed to be that it looks just like a normal town, but they're all like taking pictures of like the Salvation Army and stuff like that. But they walk by a movie theater and the joke is that it says like Puppet Master 54 on it. That doesn't make any fucking sense, because if the town's been abandoned since 1993, it should be whichever Puppet Master movie was out in 93. Whichever number that is, probably part three or something. Like, why would it be number 54? Why would that theater keep updating its sign every time a new Puppet Master movie came out for the last hundred years? Solid point. Like, but that's that's the level of quality in this film, and none of it makes any sense. Like, they do things like at one point, like a guy's like, you know what they would have said back in '93 is they would have said, "Have a nice day," and everyone's like, "Oh, that's a weird phrase." But then, meanwhile, the other character keeps referencing John Wayne movies. That's cool. What world are we in? Are we in a world where everybody forgets what culture used to be like in the 20th century, or are we in a world where? People still remember old movies. I do love when this was made. I love the fact that for some reason that character's catchphrase, because of the John Wayne jokes, ends up being "Remember the Alamo," which he yells more than once. Yeah, he does. It doesn't make any sense any of the times he yells it, and it it should be funny. That there's potential for that to be funny, but it's not because it's in such a terrible movie. There, there is a severe lack of charisma in this movie. The main. The main character comes off as an obnoxious douche. And the bad guy, the white bad guy, comes off as a boring douche. And the only interesting character ends up being the the Matsumoto or whatever his name is. Uh, Wally. Wally's his name. Yeah. Because I... uh, 
that's another thing that I always joke about in my head because I wonder if the movie Wally was somehow indirectly no <laughs> inspired yeah, by this movie. Like somebody was like, "What's a cool robot name?" And somewhere in the back of their brain went, "Robot Wars, Wally." <laughs> <laughs> that, that didn't happen. I can pretty much confirm that didn't happen. But it's like, yeah, like everything about this movie is just none of it makes sense. The world they're in, I still don't know. Like the world they're in, supposedly in 1993, there was some kind of like toxic gas scare. That I don't know what that means, though. I don't know why the world's post-apocalyptic if it was just a scare that happened. It has something to do with toxic waste. And then they go, ha-ha, you remember back when people were afraid of toxic waste? Yeah, but it's called toxic waste because it's toxic. So like, there's nothing funny about being afraid of it. Well, well that's <laughs> and, what I'm saying. Like, they don't explain to you why we're not. Did they find a way to get rid of the toxic waste? Yeah. Is, it, is toxic waste useful now? I don't know. They imply that there's something buried underneath that town from 1993. But other than a giant robot, they don't show you anything that's buried underneath there, and there's no real indication as to why they wouldn't want the other giant robot out. Like, they're trying to sell giant robots. You'd think that if they had two giant robots to display, that that would be better for their marketing scheme. Which, by the way, I still don't know if they're a company that's trying to sell things or the military, because he's clearly a businessman, but the people who work below him are all called lieutenant. I don't know. Do you guys know? No idea. Is there a, is there a war going on? They don't know that there's a giant robot beneath that town. And once again, supposedly that town built in 1993. How'd they get that robot underneath that town? Because the, the guy who keeps yelling about the Alamo, his grandfather built it when his grandfather went to that school. Which doesn't make any sense at all, because that implies that this whole post-apocalyptic world is only happening like two generations after 1993, and I just don't believe that the phrase "have a nice day" goes away in two simple generations. Supposedly, this is supposed to be set in 2041. If that helps, any. All right, no, it doesn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It's, the fucking robot is underneath the school. But when the robot digs straight up to come out from the ground, it comes up in the middle of the street, not through the school. Then why did they fucking tell us ten times that it was under the school? <laughs> That's the type of movie we're talking about right now. Uh, don't you know that the greatest school is the streets? <laughs> <laughs> Microphone drop. <tip> <laughs> <laughs> you just put way more thought into that than they did in this entire movie. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie was just upsetting to me. Like it wasn't even even the, at the points where it wasn't terrible. You know what this movie does? It commits the ultimate sin. It's boring. It's like I'm sitting there watching these people. Like there's like the scene where like the two pilot guys go to the bar, and I'm like. I don't care that they're at a bar. I cared when the guys in robot jocks went to the bar because they went to the bar and what did they run into at the bar? Ooh, the other robot jocks, the bad guy. And then they had an argument at the bar. Like that's vaguely interesting. This was just two guys sitting there. I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to be funny and it just wasn't. I'm not sure, but it's so weird to watch this movie and just go like, who gives a shit about anything that's happening? You put a giant robot on the cover of the box. I just want to watch that robot fight another robot. 
I think I have a right to expect that from a movie called Robot Wars. Let's fucking get to it. <laughs> Not to mention, like, are they at war in this movie? Does anybody know the answer to that? Like uh, the by the end. Well, yeah, they say they're selling the robot to the Asian people so they could protect their borders. But then one says to the other, like, we don't have any need to protect our borders. But, <laughs> we um, don't have any... They, he says, like, we don't have any need to protect your borders. But at another point, he also says, we don't want to buy the smaller robot. We only want to buy it if we can get the big one. Yeah. Well, if you don't need to protect your borders, what do you care how big the robot is? Because it's pointless anyway. <laughs> Ah, frustrating. Just frustrating how little thought went into this movie. It's like, just try a little bit. Well, I gotta tell you, Doug, one of the ways that may help is watching this movie while you're at work and watching it before you watch Robot Jocks. I think definitely I should have watched this before Robot Jocks. Because it didn't, like, I didn't mind it. I didn't have, like, a huge problem with it. Um, Really? But again, I watched it at work. So maybe I was able to filter out the more boring parts because I was busy doing something else while just listening to the movie. But um, I can't see how listening to the movie would help. Maybe if you didn't listen very much. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hate it. Uh, obviously, after watching Robot Jocks, it's like not even close to being as good as Robot Jocks. But <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I still listen to all the stuff you say, and I go, yeah, that's a fair point. But I don't know. It didn't bother me. I don't know. I was pretty frustrated during this movie. I, this is like the movie is like eighty-one minutes long, and I had to watch it in two parts, and that's just unacceptable. <laughs> like that's just completely unacceptable. That should not no. be happening. Uh, you can blame it on Noah if you want. So, so I'm gathering it's a <laughs> no recommend from Doug. No, I recommend. I do recommend that you go on YouTube and you find the final fight scene between the two robots. That was pretty fun. It was pretty well done. Maybe I would even go as far as say maybe it was better done than the fight scenes in Robot Jocks. But it is like a couple of minutes of the movie. Like if there had been ten of those fights, I would think that this was a good movie. Probably I'd probably forgive everything else. But there wasn't ten of those fights. There was one of them, and it was only a couple of minutes long. And even like a lot of the stuff in that fight, when you actually stop and think about it, it's like one of the big things is he's going out there, he's got this old robot that they found in the basement and they fix the, basically they just plug it in and it works still. So they're like, good enough. And they somehow just know how to fucking use it and everything. And it's like, all right. So yeah, because you, you, know, you know the piloting controls on a bipedal humanoid robot would be the exact same on a right. six-legged scorpion robot. Yeah. Right. He's the great. He's the greatest pilot, Noah. So it's okay. There's literally two pilots in this movie. So being the greatest, not a huge accomplishment. It's literally <laughs> it's you and the other guy. Like, and this they make it a point of saying this robot is constantly on the move. So of course there has to be at least two guys. You can't be on the. You can't have the same pilot working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I would say I agree with Doug on all of the bad things of this movie, but it's still pretty much a recommend. What? Uh, I, I would call it a conditional recommend. Once you've gone through most of the other giant robot movies, which unfortunately, not a lot of things. Not a lot of giant robot movies out there in the world. Uh, 
this one is worth a single watch, especially if you have nothing better to do and a little bit of beer. <laughs> no, I don't agree. I would not want to be drinking when I watch this movie. I would fall asleep because it is extremely boring during many of the useless dialogue scenes and like sales pitches where the military is trying to sell miniature versions of their giant robot to a different military that might be working with these guys in hoodies that keep raiding who are from Central America for some reason, I think. But I don't even know if there's a war going on. <laughs> and how come like how come when the pilot decides one day he's like, I don't want to be a pilot anymore because we got attacked. First of all, his solution is to volunteer to go out on ground missions now because he didn't like any attacked in a giant robot. So I'll just go out there with no protection on whatsoever, not even a uniform, and just randomly shoot at guys in the desert. Second of I all, thought like, he, I, I thought he quit because while he was out with civilians, they ordered him to <coughs> attack that laser thing or whatever. And he argued that it was putting civilians at risk, and he was very angry about it. Maybe either way. <laughs> I mean, again, though, you have to then you have to assume that that douchebag has like a heart of gold underneath all this clear douchiness. You and fell, he's you just fell in like, love with the archaeologist. I mean, come on. Yeah, because she punched him hard enough to make him fall in love with her. <laughs> Romantic and sweet. So no, no points for Barbara Crampton. Everyone knows in the 1980s it only takes three conversations to decide you're in love with someone. I think they only have two in this fucking movie. No, they have three. I think she punches him, and the next time they meet is, like, when he's doing his random, like... Because, again, how this movie ends, just to clear... Because I'm recommending people not watch it. (laughs) People understand how dumb this movie is. The climax of the movie... Town with, like, this 1993 town that's still standing in 2041. It's the only one left. And has been taken over by the evil Asians. And they send in the pilot and his mechanic to go fight the giant robot with no weapons, with no plan whatsoever. Then they happen, just by coincidence, to find out there's a different giant robot in that town. And that ends up being what saves the day is that they know how to drive this other one better than the Japanese guy who's been training knows how to drive his, his robot. But that doesn't... Did, did you hear anything I just said? Does any of that sound like it makes sense? Uh, like, you, just, you completely glossed over their second conversation, which is at the weird kendo demonstration match where it turns out that him and the random Asian supervillain guy know each other. <laughs> cares if they know each other how's that relevant uh, to anything it totally fills in all the plot holes <laughs> <laughs> there's not even a plot to have holes they, in it they know each other and somehow they're kendo enemies <laughs> by the way the air quotes hero of the movie walks into that kendo fight and totally cheap shots the other guy. He does. Like, this is like... the If this is a corporation, this guy is, like, potentially their biggest customer. If this is a military, he's a high-ranking military guy who's in there visiting on, like, some kind of diplomatic mission. I don't know which one of those is true. 
either way, he invites him in for like a friendly kendo match. And our air quotes hero just like totally cheap shots him, knocks him down, basically threatens to kill him. And they're like, oh, you, you shouldn't do things like that. That guy would be shot on the spot for doing something like that. <sighs> so what you're saying is that we should ask Jesus to use his heavenly powers <laughs> to make this movie better. <laughs> There's nothing Jesus could do for this movie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> nothing Jesus could do for this movie other than somehow make it into a movie. Like, what if, okay, here's how you fix this movie. You edit out about 90% of it. Dead. And then, like, I don't know, you're going to have to, like, be, like, to have Disney money to, like, hire Ron Howard to come in and fix this shit because it's going <laughs> to literally be, like, we're going to throw out most of what we've got. We'll keep the scene of, like, the evil Asian guy stealing the robot. But we're going to make that happen, like, six minutes into the movie now. And the rest of the movie is going to be about that guy attacking people and they're all trying to find ways to defend. And then our heroes for somehow find out about the other giant robot and have to go on a mission to find it. They're, and they're successful in doing that. And then we get our giant robot fight at the end. That would at least be an, an action movie, which would very likely be less boring than this drama-ish movie that we got or comedy movie, maybe? I don't know if this was drama or comedy, because it's not well-made, so I can't tell. <laughs> I'm still not sure if you get the point that they're secret Kendo enemies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they are secret Kendo enemies, though. <laughs> I don't think they are secret Kendo enemies. I think that the Japanese guy has... Or not Japanese, I should say, random Asian culture guy, because, of course, they're not going to allow him to actually have be from a certain culture because that'd be racist but he like respects this pilot guy again who has accomplished nothing because all he does is drive tourists to and from this town making him the greatest pilot that they have because there's only one robot so nobody else gets a chance um he like respects him for some reason and he like specifically wants him to be the the pilot on his inaugural journey and he specifically invites him down to participate. And it's, I think it's like an honor that he invites him down to participate in this kendo match. And then this guy pisses all over that honor by just being a fucking <laughs> dick and cheap shotting him and then storming off. Uh, I think they specifically pointed out that they had some weird history together. Um, and my assumption from that then is that the Asian guy invited him on to be his pilot so that he could kill him and not have anybody interfere after he well, took I interpreted, the robot over? I interpreted that to be that he would want to kill the greatest pilot so that they'd have no one left to fight him, but not necessarily because of a personal grudge, just because mm. that's good strategy. Yeah. Which I don't know why, again, at that point in time, everyone believes there's only one giant robot, so what do you care if they have a great pilot if you've got the robot? It really doesn't matter. <laughs> but I mentioned that this is a movie called Robot Wars, and for much of the movie, there's only one robot, and therefore no one for it to go to war with. <laughs> uh, this is Doug's new favorite movie. Uh, no, it's not. I disagree. Good news, Doug. There's three more in the series. Well... Guess what? We're never watching. Are you serious? I, I, no, no, I'm just kidding. 
Oh. I, was, I was just hoping that Doug would go, no! <laughs> uh, well, there is two other movies named Robot Wars, so you could have you been correct. I bet you they're better than this. There, one came out in uh, 2015 and one came out in 2017. Really? They're both brand new? Yeah. They're almost too new for us to do on this show, so I guess we'll have to wait. Oh, good lord. Yeah. And they both are available on YouTube, which means they're probably better than this one. <laughs> Good lord. All right. So, conditional recommend from Noah. Uh, I guess conditional recommend for me if you're at work and you want something to watch and not really pay attention to. No. no. And uh, high unrecommend from, from Doug. <laughs> Watch, go to YouTube and watch the final fight. And, and don't be thinking too hard during the final fight, because that final fight, like now that I've had time to analyze it, it's really disappointing that like one of the main plot points is that you've got the tourists trapped on the robot, so our hero can't really fully attack. And then all he does is like pick up the top half of that other robot and rip it off and set it down, and all the tourists are saved, so now they can just go on fighting. <laughs> that's that's really disappointing when I think about it, even though it didn't necessarily bug me at the time because it was in the only tolerable scene of the film. <laughs> Secret Kendo enemies. <laughs> Still not convinced. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Um, so it's been a couple weeks since we recorded, so I'm going to assume everybody has a huge list of movies they want to talk about. Uh, what did everybody watch while we were off? Uh, after you, Doug. Well, I spent most of my time on the new season of Black Mirror, which I think we are going to discuss in more depth once we've all seen it. By all, mm-hmm. I mean Ryan. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, the only other thing I watched was Creep 2, which is, oh, yeah. of course, the follow-up to Creep, if that's not obvious enough. Um it's hard to tell you what it's about. It's, it, it literally is just a follow-up to Creep. It's This guy invites like a journalist lady out, the same killer from Creep, invites a journalist lady out to film him. It's done and found footage again. It's, again, basically two people in the whole movie. Um, your lead, which is, what's his name, Mark Duplass, and the other character, which is this girl who comes out, um... I liked it quite a bit, but I'm a big fan of the first one. I would suggest that uh, you're probably going to find, if you like the first one, you'll like this one. If you didn't like the first one, don't waste your time on this one. Um, plots are similar. Atmosphere is very similar. They got the same director back as well. So I I like these movies. Um, I think they're fun little indie horror films. Nothing particularly groundbreaking about them, but they're fun to watch. Yeah, Creep's been on my list to watch for a while. I still haven't sat down to watch it yet. But, um, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll enjoy it, because I'm definitely curious then to check out Creep 2. Yeah, I, I was, 
the the main actor, Mark Duplass, or whatever. I think that's his name. Yeah. But I knew him from the TV show The League, mm-hmm. where he's like very funny. And so I was immediately curious when he showed up in a horror film. I'm like, let's see what he can do there. And that's what really drew my attention. Um, and I think he does a good job of creating this really weird character. And he gets a lot of like monologues into the camera where he's talking about sort of his art of serial killing. And uh, he does a good job of being somewhat likable despite being creepy and weird. A little bit like Noah. Nice. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I'm because I watched uh, the Duplass's brothers movie Safety Not Guaranteed, like the Time Machine movie. Okay, which I have not seen. Um, I think it's based on like a true or supposedly true thing where somebody put like a classified out that they were looking for somebody to go on a time travel adventure with them. Right. Like, you know, seeking someone to travel through time, blah, blah, blah. And so this girl who played by Audrey Plaza um, answers it, uh, I think is like a, like a, I don't know if she's necessarily a reporter, but she answers it for some more scientific reason than just, you know, I want to go through time. She kind of like, let's talk to this guy and see how like weird he is and whatever. And so of course, Mark Duplass plays the the weird guy. And so that it becomes like this sort of weird, like comedy that they're both sort of already known for. But the question is, does he actually have a time machine or not? And that's kind of what it's building towards through the whole movie. Um, it's an interesting to watch. It's been a while since I watched it, but I really want to watch that movie. Um, and I enjoyed the Duplass's brother, the Duplass brothers series, uh, Room One Hundred Four. Um, I didn't watch every episode, but the ones I saw, I really enjoyed. So I think that was, I think it was Showtime, and it's like an anthology series, but it all takes place in the same hotel room, and they all take place in different time periods. So you just get to see like one episode was pretty much like a horror movie. One's like a sci-fi movie one's uh a comedy one's a drama like it's all different genres but it all takes place in the same hotel room so that's kind of a neat idea yeah so worth checking out especially if you're a fan of the duplass brothers stuff they just wrote most of the room 104 stuff they didn't necessarily direct or anything but uh anything else no, that was it for me. What about you, Noah? Uh, I watched uh, the Vincent Price uh, House of Usher, Paul the House of Usher. Nice. Uh, I always love those. And then because I watched that one, I had to watch uh, Pit and the Pendulum. Just because th- those the poisms, they're all so awesome. If if, mm-hmm. if nobody's ever watched it, if, if you're out there and you've never watched them, you should really fuck them. Especially Fall of the House of Usher. Fall of the House of Usher is fucking awesome. And it's it's Vincent Price being creepy Vincent Price, but he also kind of plays like a, a crazier character than he normally plays. Normally, he you know he plays that like weird effeminate psychopath, and in mm-hmm. this one, he actually plays like a crazy crazy person. <laughs> I love crazy Vincent Price. 
Oh yeah. So okay. I, I made watch. I made Doug watch uh, Theater of Blood. Oh, which, nice. I, which I think is one of my favorite Vincent Price movies. And it's not one of mine too. So. <laughs> uh, and then I started the series Luther. Oh which, yeah. Which I have not watched yet. Uh, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much more of it I can do without some progress. the The entire crux of that show hinges on that crazy girl character. Mm-hmm. And how it, far into it are you? I don't know. Four, maybe four or five episodes. Oh, gotcha. And it, at a certain point, like I get it at the beginning, it's like, oh, she's so smart, she never gets caught. But four or five episodes in, she's doing things where, well, now you have like witnesses. You have. <laughs> You you have witnesses and evidence. You could like put her in prison anytime anytime you fucking want to, but instead you leave this crazy sociopath running around killing people. Uh, I would say keep watching at least through the first season. It ends up being really good. Amanda wants to watch it because she didn't watch it when I watched it originally, and it's not it's not going to take a lot to twist my arm to rewatch the series with her. Yeah. In. And then uh, my my lovely lady friend talked me into starting the show Derek, which is a uh, uh, what? So the Ricky Gervais show. Ricky Gervais, yeah, where he plays like a awkward autistic kind of guy who's living in a nursing home hmm. that he quote fingers works at, <laughs> uh, which oddly enough is way better than you'd think it was. No, it's it's mildly funny, but for the most part it's actually like a lot more sad and kind of like introspective. <laughs> and for as much of a fucking bastard that Ricky Gervais can be, the characters are all handled with a little bit of sensitivity, which was surprising. I kind of figured it was going to be a whole lot of make fun of the handicapped guy jokes, and that's yeah. not what it is. Yeah, I was going to say, I got, I got to be in a certain mood to be able to sit down and watch some Ricky Gervais type yeah. stuff. I would I would say give it a shot. Like, don't don't go into it thinking that it's a hardcore comedy, because, like, it's sad. Like, it's more of a... It, the episodes basically always start off funny and then end up with this weird, like, melancholy kind of three quarters of the way through it. But it's it's good. Uh, and then I watched Die Hard, which is still awesome. Yeah. Well, I watched Die Hard, too. I shouldn't mention that. I just I just assumed since Christmas happened since last time we talked that you guys knew I watched Die Hard. Yeah. And uh, Mickey's a Christmas character. Uh, Mickey's A Christmas Carol, also still awesome. And Batman, also still awesome. Which Batman? The Tim Burton Batman. First oh, okay. <clears throat> I haven't watched that in a long time. I usually watch the first one and the second one around Christmas time, but uh, for some reason the second one's not on any of the streaming services right now, so that was a little... Mm. Jerks. Yeah, they're bastards. But that was pretty much it. I didn't get a whole lot of watching done. Too much holiday doings are going on. 
Uh, well, I got a giant list of stuff I watched because why not? Um, so the first thing I watched, I decided I really want to watch some like 80s crazy horror movie with lots of boobs in it. Nice. So I immediately fired up Amazon Prime in my Shutter subscription and uh, found Death Spa, which is literally a spa that gets possessed by a ghost. Sold. Who then then controls everything. Um, Because, of course, in the 1980s, this is one of those newfangled spas where a computer runs everything. Does lightning strike it? No. Are you saying this is this is demon seed with tits? Because that's amazing. Probably. Probably. So, yeah, this this supernatural entity takes over the spa, and through the computer is able to run everything. Um, and so, like, it controls like the the sauna controls all the. Uh, the locks in the in the spa, you know, all that stuff. So it starts like killing people, and of course, uh, they're getting ready to have like this big, uh, like spring festival at the uh, spa, of and the, the, the so what it is the guy that owns the spa had a wife. She died like a year before, and his brother-in-law, who's never liked him, of course. Uh, is the one who is responsible for the computer system that runs the spa. So they still work together, even though they don't like each other. Um, and of course, he's fallen, the, the main guy's fallen in love with a new girl who works at the spa or club or whatever you want to call it. And so they don't get along at all. Like, I can't believe you're dating someone so soon after my sister died. And he's like, it's been a year. You know, whatever. So... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So shit happens. Like uh, a girl goes into the sauna and you know has to get undressed to do so, and somehow the chlorine filtration system for the pool gets into the sauna. So it's basically like chlorine steam that's coming up, which <laughs> burns her. You know, her eyes and awesome. almost suffocates her. Uh, oh. What was one of the other ones? Uh, tiles just start coming off the wall in the women's shower in the locker room and starts, like, cutting people. Um, this, this, the, the tiles are computer-controlled, then, we're to assume? Yeah, sure. Um, and this guy is doing... Uh, what the fuck do you call that exercise? The, like, like uh, the where you grab the things in front of you and pull, like, your elbows together, essentially, working on your lats or your biceps or something. I don't know. I don't know anatomy. Uh, somehow that's that's somehow that's controlled by a computer, and it pulls his arms back so his chest just splits open. Um, as you do. Um, yeah. So the movie is completely just '80s cheese ball. Like, what if a workout gym's trying to kill people? Like, we should totally make that movie. So they did. Um, you just have to be in the mood for for that type of movie. And then uh, you'll be satisfied. Because it's completely ridiculous. But there's lots of boobs in it. And I don't know. It's fun. Are the kills, like, well done? 
Uh, they're not horrible. Okay. It's not like top of the line or nothing, but it's, uh, you know, it's satisfactory enough for being an 80s movie. Everybody's motivations are completely ridiculous and stupid, but. Sure. <clears throat> if it's fun to watch him die, then that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, let's see. I watched Annabelle Creation because I had actually heard that it was better than the first one because I was not a big fan of the first Annabelle movie. I was kind of really annoyed when I left the theater. Like, that was garbage. But then I actually heard this one was pretty good, so I decided to check it out. Um, and I would say they're right. Like, it's actually a pretty decent haunted doll movie. Um, some... There's a lot more like possession type stuff and I don't know. Essentially the uh the guy who made the doll had a young daughter. She dies in a horrible accident. Uh like twelve years later, him and his wife decide to open up their cause they have like this gigantic house. So they open up this house their house to the this orphanage that is in need of temporary housing because of their orphanages getting torn down or I don't know some plot logical sense for them to have to go stay here um, and of course someone uh, goes whether or not they've been instructed not to go in the house and they find a closet that's been sealed up with the Annabelle doll in it with uh, crosses all over the wall and stuff like that and then uh, you know hijinks ensue um, yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was really good um, have either one of you seen the first Annabelle movie? No. No. Okay. Well, then this point's not going to help any. But um, they actually find a way to make the beginning of the first Annabelle movie actually make sense. Because um, there's like this thing that happens at the beginning of the movie that's just like, well, that's kind of random and doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And this movie actually fixes that. And then if you watch them in chronological order instead of release order, you're like, oh, okay, I get I get that now. That makes sense. So I'm kind of happy when there someone who's actually, it seems like the director is actually pretty decent. He was actually able to go in and be like, I'm going to make this make sense. And he actually fixed it. Um, so recommend for me if you get a chance to watch Annabelle Creation. Um, next, I watched uh, The Black Coat's Daughter. Uh, have either one of you seen this? Uh, no. Uh, directed by Oz Perkins, who is Anthony Perkins' son. This was his first uh, directorial movie. So it's two girls who are at this, like, this all-girls boarding school. And there's like a holiday break or something. And so, like, everybody's leaving school, uh, except for this one girl. Her parents don't show up to pick her up. And the other girl told her parents the wrong day. So they're coming, like, the next day. So they have to, like, stay in this boarding school until uh, their parents get there. Um, But then one of the girls starts acting, like, super weird. Uh, There's been... uh, because they have to work with, uh, have like dinner and stuff with 
the nuns at the school because it's like assuming a Catholic boarding school. So they have to have like dinner with the nuns and stuff because there's like nobody else there. And so one girl tells the other like, oh, there's all these rumors that the nuns actually worship Satan and like all this stuff. And then, of course, all this weird shit starts happening uh, in the school. And uh, I think it's a lot better if you just don't know pretty much anything past that. Um, I will say it is a very slow burn. You have to kind of go with it. But I feel like the payoff is definitely worth it. Because it gets to a point where you're just like, oh, fuck. And everything's just fucked up and weird. And like, what the fuck is going on? And then uh, without saying what it is, I will say the very last shot of the movie is maybe one of the saddest things I've ever seen in a movie. Um, when you just kind of realize what's going on, you're like, that is incredibly sad. So, high recommend for me. I love The Black Coat's Daughter. On uh, Netflix here in the U.S. Don't know about you, Doug. Sorry. Well, I'll assume that the more I want to see it, the less likely it is to be available here. <laughs> Probably. Um, then I watched P2 because uh, I heard that cause it, that takes place on Christmas or Christmas Eve and I actually heard that it was actually halfway decent but when it came out in like 2007 I remember being like yeah not interested um, so this girl's like working at this office building and of course she's like you could tell she's serious about her job because she works late on Christmas Eve while everybody else is left to go have holidays with their family. Slackers. As she's like, uh, she's going to go to her sister. It takes place in New York. She's going to go to her sister, sister's house in New Jersey. So she's trying to get everything done so she can leave. Um, and of course, as she gets, gets into the parking deck, it seems like everything's already kind of locked down. So she goes to the parking attendant played by Wes Bentley, who, uh, very much doesn't want her to leave the parking deck. So uh, I'll just say Wes Bentley is a creepy motherfucker in this movie. And uh, it's sort of a, a chase throughout this parking deck, which I thought originally would be kind of a, kind of dumb, but it actually I think plays out pretty decently. Uh, I, I feel like it, it was made in 2007. I feel like if, I, if I'm like, oh my God, there's like this 1977 movie about a parking garage attendant stalking this girl in a parking garage that everybody would be like, oh, that sounds like an awesome, like, you know, schlocky 70s slasher movie. And so if you kind of think about it like that, it definitely ends up being a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So. I remember enjoying that one. I think yeah. that, I don't think it was new when I saw it. It was probably a couple of years old, but mm-hmm. it was... I remember it had decent atmosphere and a couple of cool scenes and just kind of a fun watch, even though it was, might not be the right word, fun. <laughs> yeah. Fun fun for weirdos like me to watch. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was good, so uh, worth a watch. Have you ever seen it, Noah? Uh, I want to say I tried to watch it once and I fell asleep during it. Maybe I should give it another go. Yeah, might be worth a watch you a chance uh then the last thing i watched was a 1980s movie called the incubus um and the fact that i don't even remember what this movie was about should tell you about how much i enjoyed it 
All right. Uh, from what I remember, it's just some some demon uh, uh, sexually assaulting women to the point where the coroner says, "Yeah, there's so much semen in her, her uterus exploded." Yeah. And, I don't know if that's entirely accurate from a medical perspective. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I know you just described that as a bad part of this movie, but now I kind of want to watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, it's like 1982, like weird, you know, sex demon attacking women sort of thing. So not as good as I had uh, hoped. I gave it one and a half stars. And literally that is like the only thing I can remember is that it exploded women's uteruses by pumping so much sperm into them. So yeah. And apparently... Apparently, according to IMDb's trivia, which uh, I do remember, you only see the actual monster for like 10 seconds at the end of the movie. So. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. Uh, it was not for me. But, I don't know. Maybe there's people that love this movie. There's people that love every movie, and you know what? They can keep watching them. That's mean I have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's on Amazon Prime, so I mean... Someone must really like it if it's that readily available. So I don't know. Is that, is that the logic you're using? Sure. Somebody released it, so it must be popular somewhere. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, why would Amazon or even some production company like waste their time of like, yeah, I guess we'll put this up. People will watch it. We'll probably make some money off of it. Why not? <laughs> Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing for next episode? Yeah, I do. Do you remember? No. <laughs> uh, my best friend is a vampire, and my mom's a werewolf. Is that correct? That's correct. I feel like somebody should do a remake of both those films as one film, and the film should be <laughs> My Best Friend is a Vampire and My Mom's a Werewolf. <laughs> Talk about a bad day when you find out both things at the same time. Eh? Also, my cousin is a gill man. That's the spiritual sequel. My cousin is a gill man. That's funny. I would totally be up for a combination of a shared universe movie with the with both of these. Oh my god. Even it's though I have not uh, the uh, dark universe that they're trying to start. That's true. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah, they uh, it just it just mix all the mys in, and then you can bring my boyfriend's back. <laughs> so you got a zombie <laughs> thrown in there. See, so it all works out. We've already created a better shared universe than what Universal can with all their properties. Kind of fascinating when you think about it. God, the level of failure fascinating to me in that attempt at creating a franchise <laughs> they tried it twice so they just can't get it to work Things I don't know what, is, what are we doing wrong you can try making horror movies that can't possibly be the answer <laughs> we want to make it we want to make a shared universe of horror movies have you considered making the first one a horror movie so that people will know that your universe is going to be about horror movies <laughs> no that's preposterous in We've tried Tom Cruise. We tried a weird, skinny, sweaty, emo 
Dracula. That didn't work. <laughs> tried Benicio del Toro as a wolf man. Arguably, I'll tell you what, I gave that one a rewatch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as, as bad as I remember it being. I never even saw it, so. Uh, it's still not, like, it's not a worthy successor to the Wolfman. You know, one of the mm-hmm. one of the greatest horror movies ever made. But it's not bad. I just remember sitting in the theater thinking, oh my god, they're going to edit it in some way for him to fight another werewolf by the end of this, aren't they? They wouldn't do that, and then they did it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Assholes. Like, why would, you ma- why would you do a remake of The Wolfman, but then try to make it fit all of your modern movie tropes? What's the logic of that? Well, especially since the best part of The Wolfman is the whole gypsy curse thing from that movie where you know, yeah. you're going to you're going to kill the people that you love which that's that's a pretty good horror thing you know yeah and, uh, and to ignore that in favor of werewolf fight <laughs> uh, uh, it seems like there's rumors for a while and I'm not joking I, I think this was serious but that I don't think they're doing it anymore. Was they're going to do another Wolfman movie, but with The Rock in it instead? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Let's assume that's going to be a completely different movie. Totally speaking, like that's... I hope so. Because if they're trying to be serious about it, be like, who can this wild beast be? And then you'd have this giant guy just walking around. You'd be like, uh, probably that guy. It's... <laughs> who could it be? <laughs> At that point, the werewolf has the big like arm tattoo because the rock's a bigger star than the wolf, so they're not going to edit out the rock's tattoo. They're going to edit one on the wolf. Just the just the concept of that movie existing hurts me. <laughs> now, if it were a comedy film, all right. Um, I'm looking at his IMDb. I don't see it anywhere where there's like you know 20 other things that say announced next to it on his list. Because he announces like he holds a press conference every Thursday to announce the ten movies yeah. he's going to be making. <laughs> uh, apparently, still rumored to be Jack Burton in the Big Trouble Little China remake, which the world does not need. No, that movie was so time and place. It's, yeah. You can't make that movie today. No, if they were going to make a Wolfman uh, spoof comedy movie remake, they should make a Jewish werewolf, and it should be called The Wolfman. <laughs> and that would be hilarious. Uh, that's a good dad joke, Noah. <laughs> um, oh, it looks like Brian Singer is going to lose his executive producer credit in the new X Men movie. Oh, wait, wait. Now we're just going through IMD, picking out random things that are interesting to us. Uh, this was on Facebook, but oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. We could talk about Ro- the Rock movies more. No, <laughs> not like the Rock. What is wrong with you, Noah? No, the Rock is perfectly fine as long as he keeps his rockness in his weird fucking disaster movie slash comedy fucking <laughs> shit that he does, <laughs> and and then I can I can tolerate it. You know, I never expected San Andreas to be a good movie, 
and therefore it was okay. <laughs> I still don't watch it. Rampage looks dumb. It's going to be fine. Jumanji looks dumb. It's going to be fine. Juman- no, come on. Jumanji's going to be fun. I'm sure it's going to be reasonable. Jumanji, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sucks. I'm I'm 90% sure that movie sucks, and I don't have to see it to know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to go see it, but... I will I say just, that uh, I didn't I just watch don't it. need them trying to inject The Rock into, like, things that I care about. <laughs> I, uh, I watched the Graham Norton show from a couple weeks ago, and everybody except for Karen Gillum, for some reason, I'm assuming she's off filming something important um, was there. And I literally just want a reality show where they just follow the rock and Kevin Hart around. Cause they were just cutting up on each other the whole time. And I was fucking about to start crying. I was laughing so hard. Just completely making fun of the rock and then the rock making fun of him about how short he is. And I don't know. It was really funny. And I watched their movie, uh, Central Intelligence. I thought it was pretty funny, too. All their movies are in together. They look like they'd be kind of funny. Mm. And then every time I'm just like, yeah, but I don't have that much free time, so I'm just going to not. <laughs> like, it's just like they don't look like they'd be funny enough to be. That's fair enough. Wait, I, I don't know. Back when I used to have time to watch everything, I would have watched them and I would have laughed. And then I never would have watched them again. Yeah, you got a kid. You got you to gotta, you gotta save that free time to watch good stuff makes me feel bad for the dvds and blu-rays that i already own because i almost never take them out (laughs) (laughs) that's what like i buy like all those weird fucking movies and then i still have not had time to watch them all because i'm busy watching other shit that i'm just like i could go grab one of those weird movies that i bought that i thought looked interesting or i could watch like some really shitty comedy that is on Netflix, so I don't have to give up out of my chair. Yeah. But, yeah. My laziness like, usually wins out. <laughs> I had somebody ask me yesterday, like, you want to go see Star Wars again? Like, I do. I'm like, well, I'm going to go tonight. I'm like, oh, I have to stay home and watch Robot Wars instead of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this podcast thing is really wearing me down. <laughs> Only get three movies a weekend and two of them are taken up. Oh. That's rough. <laughs> Noah, how have you not been using your movie pass more often? Uh, well, I've just kind of been stuck at home. Like, between yeah. job searching and, you know, being kind of broke. I know it's a free thing, but I still got to drive back and forth and stuff. Take a bus. Um, I don't think there are any buses over here. Oh. Why? You have all day, just... Walk it. Well, right now it's too cold to do that shit. Fuck that. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.